Hello, welcome to the Stubborn Tortoise Podcast. I'm Donna Pazdera. Well, today we have a special edition of the Masters edition. Um, my running coach and friend, Kimberly Obushan, is here with us. Um, our interview <laughs> ran quite a while, um, but it's a really good interview and she's so much fun. And I really enjoy listening to her and I hope that you will enjoy this. Um, just a real quick um, recap on what's going on with me. Um, thank God, about midweek, the antibiotics kicked in because I had a low-grade fever for about a week and a half. And I was almost to the point, in fact, I was trying to schedule one of those rapid um, COVID tests where they, you know, jam the thing up your nose um, and you get the results like in 20 minutes. Uh, one of my friends had done this and I was, I was in the process of doing it and I thought, okay, just hang on for another day. And sure enough, by Wednesday, I was fever free and have managed to stay that way ever since. And I just ended my round of antibiotics yesterday, which was Saturday, and uh, I'm feeling pretty good. And um, yesterday, I managed to eke out 6.2 to finish the um, SAR, or the San Antonio Roadrunners women's race. Uh, it was a 10K. My time was embarrassing, but let's not go there. Um, but considering I hadn't run or done anything really in almost two weeks, um, this was okay. This was okay. And then this morning, um, or yeah, late this morning, I went out and I grabbed about five and a half miles to put the flying chanclas over the top to be 100% finished with the Trans-Texas Virtual Run. Yeah, so I we are done with that in about, what, 26 days? Um, I have to say, big kudos to Sarisa Romero and the Montavos because they were running ridiculous amounts. Um, you know, again, I was sick for about a week and a half, so it was really hard for me to do much of anything. Um, and Hilda, my my other teammate, was also running into some issues just um, at work and uh, elsewhere. So you know, it, it it's just it's just one of those things. I mean, it's, it's, you know, your life is going to happen sometimes. So, um, I, I feel very fortunate that I had some teammates that were able to pick up the slack for us. Um, Orlando finished his virtual race across Tennessee, I think on Tuesday, Kathy, I think has about n another 12 miles before she's finished. Sarisa, I don't know what she's doing, but, <laughs> but anyway, I just wanted to give you an update on that. So yeah, so thank God I'm feeling more like a regular person again, and um, I will happily accept that. Um, so anyway, without any further ado, I want you to listen to my interview with Kimberly Obushan. So I want to watch the clock, try to keep us at 30 minutes, just so I don't take up too much of your time. Um, anyway, well, welcome, Kimberly. It's so nice to have you here on the <clears throat> Master's Edition. Um, I know, isn't it great to feel older? Calling a master. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the reason I, I came up with this, though, is just because there's not a lot of us out there, and I think it's really important to respect your elders. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. 
but no, I mean, I, I, I think there's, I mean, I'm older than you, but it's like, I noticed that like when I was in my early fifties, it was just sort of like, I'd be at races and all of a sudden I'd be placing and it's like, okay, I'm not that fast, but okay. <laughs> so, hey, you know, never look a gift horse in the mouth. That's okay. No. So anyway, um, so I would like to hear um, a little bit about your, um, actually, are you from San Antonio, first of all? No, I'm not. I'm from um, a small town called Flat River, Missouri, that doesn't actually exist by name anymore. Um, it's an old lead mining town in Missouri. Nice. And um, yeah, so where I was from was a huge lead mining industry, lots of mineral content in the area. Of course, my family had to choose to live along the lead belt. So um, we had mines, you know, for years back in the probably 30s, 40s, 50s, up into the early 70s, there were five uh, mining operations that were drilling for lead. And uh, there's still some places that you can visit, the Bontair Mines, you can actually um, go into it. It's a historic site now. And you can actually go down, I guess there were seven levels underground or maybe more at one time, but you can actually take a tour and go down a little bit. And it's, um, it's quite freaky to think that people worked and dwelled in there and that there's a bunch of lead so <laughs> of all things <laughs> yeah so yeah you know i'm kind of a nutty person so i blame it on my my mineral surroundings <laughs> that must be it I'm just kidding so so we're how far is that like say from either kansas city or st louis from st louis it's not very far at all it's about an hour south if you're been to St. Louis and you've heard of Festus, Missouri, which is mm -hmm. about um, 45 minutes or so from downtown St. Louis. I'm 30, well, my family's 30 minutes um, south of Festus, Missouri. You okay. actually get off of Highway 55 in Festus and hop on 67 and it takes you straight there. Cool. Wow. Yeah, my dad's from East St. Louis, so. Um, oh, really? Yeah, I know. Well, I was born <laughs> In Belleville, Illinois. Oh yeah, that's where my aunt was. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, every summer, yeah. My poor family, you know, it's like I, I didn't. We didn't have vacations growing up, you know. We didn't have money, and so it's like we always go back to Illinois because I'm from Ohio, and we'd always go back to Illinois, you know, East St. Louis, you know. And this is like in the '70s when, you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of unrest, and so it's just, what a time to be alive. You know? I know, right? Anyway, well, let's hear it for the Midwest. I love it. So, so how did you end up in uh, San Antonio? Well, um, that's a crazy story, I guess. I came here officially for the first time in 91, I think it was. And I came down um, on the heels of my boyfriend who was going to start a psychology program at Our Lady of the Lake University. And um, he asked me to move in with him. So I came on down and um, our relationship fizzled after a year being here. And I wasn't quite, I didn't have the money or the means to just kind of pick up and go back to St. Louis. So um, I was working at Half Price Books, uh, the one on Broadway forever. Oh, yeah. And um, decided after a year, I'd gotten my, established my residency in Texas. So I decided that I would go back to school and repair my horrific GPA um, that I had from my past college life, which 
when I humbly got the transcript in the mail <clears throat> 10 years or so after I graduated from high school, or no, after I my, went to college the first time. I guess I dropped out in 87 or got kicked out. I don't remember which it was, but, <laughs> but um, at any rate, I had a 1.013 GPA. And my good grades were in art and uh, PE. <laughs> so um, I decided, wow, I better correct this like really quickly. So I decided to go to SAC and I applied for every scholarship that I could get. And I actually got a free ride most of my SAC um, tenure. And I went there four years, took me you know, working part-time and taking a full, full load of classes, two semesters, um, to get my GPA up to a 3.75. Nice. Um, and that was from getting A's in almost every single class. There was one class I got a B minus in. Mr. Knip, if you listening to me, uh, I'm still mad at you. <laughs> um, <laughs> never trust Let it go. <laughs> the K when their last name is spelled K-N-I-P-P. -P. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, I know some people with that last name, yeah. I wonder if it's him. No. Nah. He taught um, world civilization. No, people in Ohio. <laughs> but um, too bad I wasn't running back then or I would have ran a lot of my aggressions out. No um, kidding. Because so. I really wanted an A in every class so I could get scholarships. I wanted to go to the Art Institute of Chicago. And um, it wasn't cheap, so I wanted to get as, as much money as I could. Um, wow. I, I did get a pretty good ride there. I basically got one year paid for for free. So I got a half, half tuition paid for each year through scholarships and, you know, government funding. I'm still paying for it, too. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I hate that. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I have about, you know, $5,000 left. And since the interest is so low on it, I put my money where the higher interest things are, but I hear you. Uh, I'm planning on paying it off super, super soon. Yeah. Um, just, you know, kind of hanging on to my school past. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about what you do, what you've done with that um, art degree. Oh, wow. Let's see. What do they say? If you have a degree in one hand and a quarter in the other, you can get a cup of coffee. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually did, I, I went to school for studio art, but when I went to the Art Institute of Chicago, I did work study. I was in the work study program. And so I worked in the development office at the school and I basically was a girl Friday. I worked there two days a week for about five hours. I'd pick up lunch. I'd enter inner office memo shit all over town. And so I get to take lots of walks and um, filing. I got to file Claus Oldenburg stuff. You know, it's just really cool. I like these big giant files of see how much money they gave, you know, just um, so it was kind of a cool job. I really love the ladies that I worked in the office with. Um, and then for another part-time job on the side, I got a job at the bookstore at the uh, Museum of Contemporary Art and kind of got my feet in the door there with the employees and the staff and same with the Art Institute. So when I did graduate from my studio classes, my BFA, um, I, I don't have a master's. And once I got that degree, I was like, woo, I had a quarter and a degree 
and I went and got some coffee, but, <laughs> and called it, that's good, I'm done with school. But um, I got a job at the MCA and I got offered jobs at both locations when I finished. What is MCA, sorry? A Museum of Contemporary Art. Okay, thank you. Um, which is also in Chicago. Right. And um, I started working immediately. They gave me a part-time job in the development office at the school. Um, and it wasn't a super high paying job, but it was a job. And two weeks later, I got um, a job offer to be basically a office assistant, another girl Friday kind of a thing. And I'm like, ooh, perfect for that. And they asked me to apply. I didn't even know it was happening. And they're like, um, I got called into HR and they're like, we really want you to apply for this. It's really important that you get your resume together like right now. And I'm like, ooh. So I went home and I was like, blah, 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 got it together, put it in. <laughs> And they called me into their office the day after that. And they're like, mm, we're sorry, we, we gave it to someone else. And I'm like, I wanted to go, well, fuck you. What'd you make me do that for? You know, but I said, but um, there's another job that we're going to put you, we, we thought you were great and we'd like you to apply for this job. And it's the assistant to the directors. And I was like, uh, uh, and one of the directors was this guy, Bob Fitzpatrick, which um, when he was a younger man, he had really red hair and really pale skin. And as he aged, which he aged very gracefully, um, his hair turned white, completely white, and his face is very pink. So when he would get mad, um, we'd call him Mr. Pink because he would, it looked like his face was going to explode. Oh my God. And he would, I mean, he, if he, he was a nice guy, but everybody walked on eggshells when he was around. And I was like, wait, you want me to work for that guy and they said no 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 you'll be with the assistant director who is a like the yin and yang the nice guy and really awful guy so I got to work with the really nice guy which was great but I would have to bob sit when his assistant was out of town <laughs> but anyway um through those jobs I um was able to make a lot of connections into the art world and I wanted to be an artist really when I grew up but um, I ended up working more administratively, um, and I needed an outlet for that. And as an artist, there was a big kind of movement going on with apartment galleries and house galleries, kind of like um, a guerrilla gallery scene, if you will, you know, just kind of popping up and um, people that were kind of tired of all the hoity-toity galleries and cliques that they formed in Chicago and a bunch of us, you know, aspiring young art students that kind of lived really close to one another in these really great apartments, a lot of bang for your buck. You could live and work there. Um, we decided to open our apartments up on the first Friday of every month. And we started a, a, a little art movement in the Pilsen area in Chicago. Um, then the landlord who never really gave a crap about what we did because we fixed everything ourselves. Um, he got really old and, and couldn't, do things like he used to so he gave all of his properties to his commercial real estate son oh. wah, wah, wah. so you can smell the death that was about to happen to all the galleries and the artists that lived there um he offered to he he came to me because he saw how hard we worked and again it wasn't a full-time job it was a labor of love i had a full-time job at the mca mm -hmm. working 40 hours a week and this was just a a really true labor of love um artists you know, didn't have to pay anything to show there. I'd give them a small percentage 
um, or I'd take a small percentage if they sold something, like never more than 20%, just to like offset the, the beer money that I had to pay to get people to come to the show. So it was really fun. There were write-ups in the Chicago Reader and in the Chicago newspapers about it and all the weekly papers. And it was a really good thing until the landlord came in and shut her down, basically. Um, he offered to subsidize me for a year. And my rent, which was already only at about $775 a month in Chicago, that's kind of cheap. But it was still, I had a, a really nice size apartment. I had a backyard. And nobody had that in Chicago. Holy nobody. cow. Yeah. So we'd go downstairs into my apartment, have a little party, and then we'd go sit in my backyard and just have a great old time. Anyway, the landlord said, I'll subsidize you in a new building up on Pilsen, which is a very big street. Um, and he said, but you have to go to market value the next year, which would have been like, $5,000. Oh, oh. And, and I, I never was, a, you know, in it for the money. So to have to like sell artwork and like pressure people and get in people's faces and make phone calls and that wasn't my bag. So um, I moved to San Antonio. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> We're so glad you did. <laughs> I moved to San Antonio because I was here before I left. And this is kind of a long way of how did I get back to San Antonio um, from the first time I got here. Um, but the gallery is, is actually what brought me back to San Antonio because after the landlord came in and kind of started shutting things down right around that time, I don't know if you know a woman here in San Antonio who runs Saladia's gallery um, and she's done many other things, but her name is Angelique Gupta. She's also a writer and used to run a couple of art magazines. Name is familiar, yeah. Yeah. Um, she asked me to come down and curate a show at a space that she was, that, um, she ran at the time called the Wiggle Room, which was over on South Presa. Oh, yeah. And, um, so me and a friend brought a whole bunch of artwork down from the artist that had shown at Unit B, and we put them up in the Wiggle Room. And this is five years after I'd left, mind you, five years. And all these people come, it was during Contemporary Art Month, back when it was in July. And all these people came and they came up to me. They're like, where have you been? I haven't seen you in a while. And I'm like, it's been wow. five years. <laughs> but it was like, there was something about, and that happened like not more, more than like 10 times. People just, it's like they were still doing their thing and they hadn't forgot about me, but they just hadn't made a connection with me in a while. And <laughs> just knowing that the community was still very kind of, like they still came to my opening. They were like, oh, well, let's go see what she's been doing. We haven't seen her for a while. So I was at a point right before I came here. In fact, I wasn't working at the NCA anymore. I had gotten headhunted by an arts organization. I was supposed to be their program director for their arts and entertainment, which I was super stoked about. But I wanted to leave the MCA, a job that had given me a lot. And I loved my boss. So I wanted to give a month's notice. And they really wanted me to like, leave two weeks boom and I said I can't do that so behind not behind my back but without conferring me they gave the um, program director job to another woman who was ready to go and when I got there they said since you have development experience oh, no. and I was like oh my god 
And I had already made, you know, I mean, I, I didn't know what to do. I was kind of a rock in a hard place. And they assured me that they would give me all the training. I said, I'm not a writer. I'm not good at this. It bugs my eyes out. I can paint a picture for you and make it pretty. And it'll be passionate and it'll explain everything. I said, but I can't write. I can't do it. And I can, but it takes me a lot longer than it does people who are writers. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I, I won't get into that experience. It's a whole other podcast. It was a haunted building, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, oh. <laughs> the boiler room, the building was built in like 1900 Ooh. and only six people occupied the building at any given time. So it was creepy. Yeah. Almost broke my finger there. And that guy messed with me. He used to change my clock in my office. Oh my God. Oh, I thought somebody was changing my clock that one of the staff members and we all were, I mean, there were six of us. We all knew each other very well. I was the only person who had an office upstairs. Oh, man. we'd hear doors shutting and stuff. I'd come back from lunch and my clock would be um, like an hour off. Oh, Sometimes I'd go home an hour late because I thought it was a different time. Oh my God. So how long did you stay there? Huh? How I was there here. And it was the most, I mean, I loved, loved, loved the people that I worked with, but the circumstances <laughs> surrounding the building, um, the three arts club, I don't know if you've ever heard of it back uh -huh. in like the early 1900s when it wasn't safe for women to travel. Okay. Um, there were these clubs called the three art clubs and there was maybe 10 and they were all over the world. There was one, there was one in Chicago, one in New York. That was, were the only two in the United States and um, one in Paris um, and various other large cities, uh, places in Italy um, where women could safely travel. And it was kind of a dormitory style, you know, um, Sometimes shared dorm rooms, sometimes single, but always shared bathrooms. Oh, like a hostel. Yeah. 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 But, and then they had places, you know, like they had rooms where they could practice piano or practice dancing or make art, you know, or write. It's, you know, these kind of a residency without expectations for traveling women. Yeah. So, um, the Chicago one, I, I'm not sure. I think the one in New York may still exist. There, there was only like two or three still functioning because mm -hmm. uh, the times have changed so much. Like it's, it's all inclusive. And the Three Arts Club, be right before I had started working there, had been a place where um, artists, and the, the term artists was very loosely defined. Okay. Uh, Basically, if you could draw a picture, if you could draw Bucky, you could, <laughs> you could come in. No, but um, basically, I mean, how could they prove that you're not an artist, right? So it was kind of a, I'm, and I'm going to use this term very gingerly, but a halfway house for artists <laughs> that weren't really sure if they were artists or not, or needed a place to live that was reasonable. Um, under these kind of dormitory-like circumstances. So it was filled with people. And this building um, is in, in the Gold Coast area of Chicago. And if you're familiar with Chicago, it's the most affluent neighborhood in the city. Okay. Um, 
So they never, ever liked it. Never. Because, you know, not that, not that the residents were asking people for money or anything like that. They just, they didn't fit in with everything else that was happening. Right. There was a, a really expensive Italian restaurant right next door with valet parking. You know, I never went there because I couldn't afford to go kind of place. Um, and I worked right next door. <laughs> but, and it was, it was just off the, the, the Chicago Miracle Mile. Yeah. So um, very popular neighborhood. So they didn't want us there. And the, the um, constituents of that area were doing everything they could to try to get us out. So they got a new director there and they were going to change their formatting. So they kicked all these people out and it caused a huge, huge to do. Pickets uh, was on news. It was, you know, they were, the three arts club was bad guys. How could they do that? It needed to be done because they wanted to renovate it yeah. and it hadn't been renovated in its lifetime. So um, long story short, we were going to try to make the building LEED certified and do all kinds of really great things, um, have more practice studios and blah, blah, blah. And um, every day when I would go to work, especially if there was an event, I would have to cross picket lines to get in and out of my building. Oh, that sucks. And then I had to go upstairs where some ghost had effed with my clock <laughs> and freaked me out by slamming doors around. So. Um, into an office where I couldn't think to write, even though that was my job. So <laughs> when I went to San Antonio for this show and I felt the love from everybody, I made a really quick decision to move back. Yeah. And I basically gave my notice um, to my landlord and to my job when I got back. I said, I'm out of here in four months. Bye. Good. And um, I left because that was... August, beginning of August, when I told them I was leaving, and I left the day before Thanksgiving was my last day. And what year is this? That was 2014. Okay. Yeah. Wow. No, 2000. Wait, what year is this? 2020. Yeah, I've been here since 2005, so that had to be 2004. Okay, got it. I was to say, that sounded kind of recent. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all confused. I always got the impression you've been here a little while. So. <laughs> I, I, well, I've been here to this time around. I've been here since 2004. December of 2004. So we'll just call it 2005. Yeah. Um, That's good. 15 years. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, so what are you doing these days then in terms of, I, I know. You <laughs> well, when I came um, back down here the second time, I got a job at at Art Pace, so I was um, working. I started at the front desk there and then um, worked my way up to the archivist. I was the archivist there for, oh, nice. I worked there almost mm, eight years, nine years, something like that. And um, got tired of never getting a raise, the economic, you know, crappers. Yeah. Uh, really take a hit on the not-for-profit worlds and especially art worlds. And um, I started doing the math, and in the eight, nine years that I'd worked there, I started at X amount and had XX amount, and I did the math. If I stayed there another eight to nine years, and if that's all I got, I wouldn't be making 40000 by the time I was 50 years old. You know, oh. so I was like, 
I gotta, I gotta do something different. So I was working out with a trainer twice a week at the time. And he was kind of my therapist, if you will. And I was talking to him about, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, I mean, I have some retail skills, but I don't want to do retail, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, why don't you be a personal trainer? You've got a really great personality and you're outgoing and bubbly. And that's what people need in a trainer. He's like, everything else to that is secondary. And I said, well, I got to know body parts and muscles and stuff. And he's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, but you can, you know, for less than $2,000, you can study and, and get certified. So and things just started to roll in that direction. It's kind of like when, when you're sitting around about to shop on Amazon and you think to yourself, all these bunny slippers start popping up all over your computer on your phone. It was one of those moments. <laughs> but um, <laughs> at any rate, um, I got off track again. Where am I, Donna? <laughs> you are. You were talking about uh, what you're doing, well, what you're doing these days, uh, and then you mentioned, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm a personal trainer now. Yes. Okay. I met a guy, Josh Levine, who was an art collector um, through a friend of mine who was a neighbor, Christy Perez, who was making some art for him. And she's like, oh, you got to meet this guy, Josh. He's, you know, mind, body, and soul. He's really into fitness, and he's an art collector, and I think he would like your work. So I said, well, you know, let me know. And I just accidentally bumped into him somewhere. I can't remember, at a trail run. Like he was at a trail run. He's like, oh, my name's Josh Levine. And wasn't at all who I expected him to be. And I said, oh, we have a connection, blah, blah, blah. So we started talking. Um, it was at one of, um, when um, Bart Childers used to do those trail races out behind Salado Creek. Do you remember those? The double? Uh, I've only lived here for three years. So yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I wish we still had those. It's a bummer, but it was on those. Um, Sounds fun. They were. They were fun, but it started and ended at Paisano's, and then they had a big party on the patio out there at that one. On Are those days. those weird little trails off of, um, yeah, like. Yeah. Like you know, of, I would go out there, Donna, but I don't know. I, I don't even know where to park to find them anymore. I know. Well, it, like, I would park at O.P. Schnabel and then like try to make my way down that way. That's the only way I know how to do it. And I would, I, I would get lost a million times, I'm sure, even though it's probably easy. But um, at any rate, I met Josh and he said, hey, this is my buddy. I mean, we didn't talk about too much. I never mentioned personal trainer. And he's like, hey, this is my buddy. We're going to go for a trail run out here next week. Do you want to come with us? And I did because I wanted to explore those trails. I said, yeah, I'll come with you. So I met him out there. It was just me and him and his friend. And his friend was kind of slagging behind. And Josh and I were in a conversation. And I said, hey, we should stop and wait for your buddy. And he's like, oh, yeah. So we sat on this rock. And we were probably 10 minutes ahead of him, you know, because he was walking and we were running. So we, we sat for a minute and, and he, he said, so, you know, what do you do? And I told him I work at Artbase and blah, blah, blah. And I said, but, you know, I don't know. I'm kind of thinking you're, you own a, you know, personal training company. Why should I be a personal trainer? And he's like, you should totally be a personal trainer. And he's like, I'll trade you art for a certification. And I was like, because I looked it up and it was $1,500 for the package oh. I wanted to get. And I said, well, I'm really thinking I want to do this NASM, National Association of Sports Medicine. And he's like, that's the package I have. It's the full deal. It has a textbook. It has the videos. It has everything. He's like, I can give you the code. You'll get everything sent to you tomorrow. And I was like, 
uh, let me talk to my husband. So, you know, I went home and I talked to Mark and he's like, do it. So I did it and I gave a six month um, notice to Art Pace that I was gonna be leaving. This was another July moment and that I was gonna be leaving at the end of the year. And they didn't believe me, they didn't believe me. And I said, well, I'm leaving at the end of the year. Um, I said, if you need me to leave sooner, I can, but I just, this is a big job. My archivist job, just, you can't just leave it because it's filing, it's tending to, and it, it can't miss a beat. So, but did they, no, they didn't hire anybody till long after I was gone. Oh God. And then the phone calls started coming like two months after I left and I'm like, I don't remember any of that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so I worked at, um, art pace for a while and had my gallery here in San Antonio. Um, it ended up being in the duplex of what is now my home. Um, another long story of how I met my husband, but um, I was house sitting for him and I never left. <laughs> <laughs> He's still trying to get rid of me, but he hasn't been successful. So he had this duplex on the other side of the house and the whole deal was he had left town for a month and I was staying, I was house sitting for him while I was waiting for my apartment to open up across the street from his, which was going to be next door to this gallery I mentioned earlier that Angela Gupta now runs called Saladillas. Um, and my friend Karen Mahaffey had bought a house in Lavaca and she was gutting it out and redoing it. And, you know, they're like, it'll be done May 30th. And what they really meant to say was probably December 30th, you know, <laughs> you know, there's always something that goes wrong. There's always some kind of hurdles or red tape or something that has to be worked out. So um, the dates just kept getting pushed back and pushed back. So I was, had thankfully lots of artist friends that were going on residencies and needed people to stay at their house while they were gone. So it just worked out that way and then the last place I was was here Mark's house and um, it was during the Spurs championship Ooh. so we all had we had the same friends because he's an artist I'm an artist and um, we, we had all the same friends so we were carpooling to the same places and, so stay, and I was staying with him for another week while another place opened up across the street and they hadn't left and he's like well it's silly for you to leave for a week just stay put here so we ended up, well, anyway, I never left. <laughs> <laughs> and then the rest is history. <laughs> now his story might be different from mine, but no. And how long have you two been married? Well, <clears throat> I'm not sure exactly, but we common lawed. Uh -huh. uh, we got common lawed. So we actually went to the courthouse in the December month in i don't know maybe 2009 or 10 but we had actually been declared our common law date as june 16th okay because that's when i never left <laughs> that's so, so awesome you're able to to post date your common law as long as you have proof and we had proof we had a checking account and shared a couple of bills since we got wow. together so it was all good. That's really awesome. Yeah. So, so tell me about your, your running career then, um, since we pretty well covered your 
professional career. <laughs> Incredibly interesting. Sorry, um, but but yeah, so I know, I know you said that you, you were not always a runner or anything, which I find surprising because you No, um, I, I, was, I ran track in high school. Ah. My freshman and sophomore years, I ran track. I don't think I did it my junior and senior year because I was in cheerleading and um, band. I was in marching band. My all, well, I don't remember. Oh, it's so long ago. What was your but instrument? I was only in, I, well, I played clarinet. But I twirled a flag in marching band. Nice. I was in a, <clears throat> yeah. That's, that's cool. And um, I was in symphonic band, which I loved. And I played a very unusual instrument called the um, contrabass clarinet, the B-flat contrabass clarinet. Look it up. It's ginormous. It's bigger than the baritone saxophone. Oh, my goodness. And I had to sit on a stool that raised me up, like one of those kitchen bar stools. I had to sit on a stool like that just to get my mouth in thing. Um, and it's a really low, low sound. It used to make me laugh sometimes when I got really low because it would vibrate my mouth and it would tickle. <laughs> In fact, really quick, funny story. I won't dwell on it too much, but we played the theme to the Muppet show in our concert series in school one year. And you know that the song, dun, 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 the really low part. Well, yeah. me and baritone sax played the wah wah part. <laughs> and my friend Eric, may he rest in peace, um, he squeaked on his note. Oh, no. And, and at the same exact time, I had such a flutter in my jaws that it tickled so hard. And, and I heard his, and we couldn't play the bump bumps to save our life. It was ridiculous. <laughs> But the crowd got a kick out of it. It was really funny because the song is funny and it's the Muppet show. So thank goodness for oh, that. But wow. <laughs> so that's, that's my memory of the counter bass clarinet is that moment. That's pretty funny. That's pretty but, um, so you, so you did some, some track in high school and then high um, school and that was fun, but I wasn't super serious about it. I did longer distances. Um, we didn't have, we had a boys cross country team, but we didn't have a girls cross country team. But my coach always told me if we did that I would be on it. <clears throat> and sometimes she would make me go run cross country with the boys. Oh God. <laughs> and I would surprisingly keep up with them. I can believe That's it. That's all I remember about it is I wasn't last. I certainly wasn't first. But I remember like having conversations and talking with them and running in Reeboks. That's <laughs> Reeboks, like old school. <laughs> you know, just I remember seeing. My, I still have a picture from my high school track, and those little panty shorts that we oh. wore. Yeah, yeah. hated them. Briefs. Yeah. And, yeah, those were never, and they, I swear they were like made of gabardine or something, just something awful. They weren't comfortable at all. But anyway, and I wonder, I bet I would have ran a lot faster if I didn't have to wear that shit. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it made me run faster, I'm not sure. Yeah. But the chafing was a good time. <laughs> well, thankfully, you know, long distance for me in high school was two miles. Oh, God. That was so the longest distance I ran. And... I wanted to be 50-yard dasher. That's what I wanted to be. Fast and furious, get it over with. But I was yeah. never 
fast enough to do that. And it used to break my heart. And then I said, okay, I'll do hurdles. And I learned very quickly that hurdles were not my bag either. <laughs> I have a few bruises to prove it. I was used to get beat up trying to do hurdles. Oh, I could never, even though I feel like I'm a pretty coordinated person, like there's some cognitive things that I can't combo with others. I, you know, I can chew gum and walk, no problem. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, hop over some hurdles. Nah. Yeah, hurdles and like trying to figure out how quickly and ooh, just too scary. Yeah, yeah. But, so, uh, and so then I, you came, I'm sorry, go ahead. I stopped running as soon as high school was over and um, pretty much didn't run anywhere except to chase boys or a bus in Chicago or, you know. I didn't run when I lived in Chicago. Never even thought about it, even though I worked with people that were would run to work. And I'd be like, you're crazy. Oh my God, how many miles did you run today? Three, that's insane. You know, I mean, I, would, I was that person, you know? So I get mad at them for like, oh, I ran 12 miles this weekend. I'm like, oh, I rode the bus 12 miles this weekend. You know? <laughs> Those wise, Weisenheimers. But um, when I moved to San Antonio, not only uh, the second time, that is. Uh, the first time I was here, I was a vegetarian, hardcore vegetarian. Um, when I moved to Chicago, I was a vegetarian. But when I sat down at Pizzeria Uno and had my first Chicago-style deep dish oh. pizza that was cheese and spinach, thank you very much. Um, if you've ever eaten there or at any of those places in Chicago, you know you stand in the line outside for a oh, while yeah. before you even get in to order your pizza. And when they do sit you down, they say, would you like some appetizers? And at that moment, this tray of hot chicken wings passes oh. by. It was like the little, the little smoke cloud with the fingers that lures your nose <laughs> in. I was like, chicken wings. And my friend, Rebecca, she's like, but you're a vegetarian. I said, not for long. And <laughs> I said, if I don't get sick from eating chicken wings, then I'm not a vegetarian it was kind of a new, new hat for me. I had been missing it for a long time and craving it for a long time and just, just went for it. And I'm still eating stuff today, but Good for you, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, I don't know how I got off on the pizza. Oh, well, anyway, so you said when you moved back to San Antonio the second time, there were a lot of runners here. Well, I, I had fallen in love. I had started eating breakfast tacos. I had a mantra that was, is one enough, is two too many for breakfast. <laughs> and I really thought margaritas were a great thing. And I, my beer consumption went up considerably. And again, no exercising. So my, my clothing sizes were also going up. Uh-oh. And, and just like, you know, the girl who's jealous of all the people that has the, 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 the gump to get up and run 12 miles in the morning. I believed that my dryer was shrinking my clothes. <laughs> of course, it's always that. <laughs> it's them. No, but um, I decided I worked with a woman at Art Pace who was super fit. And, you know, she would just lift her pencil in the air and it would be like, boink, you know, and I'd be like, oh. How'd you get those muscles? She's like, oh, I just go to the gym and work out for 35, 40 minutes every day. And she's like, and I 
I lift weights three days and I do cardio three days. I take a spin class or, you know, I do a body pump or something like that. And I'm like, hmm. so I said, maybe I'll try it. And she gave me a free pass to go to the gym for a week. And I went every day and I fell in love with it. And it was hard, but um, I signed up and I got a trainer, Farley O'Halloran, wherever he is. Awesome dude. Um, super awesome guy. Um, the San Antonio rock and roll was coming to town for the first year in 2008. Okay. Before that, I had done the tower climb a couple of times. Ooh. And they, I don't know if you've ever done that, but oh. when I used to do it, <clears throat> there was a competitive mile at the beginning. And you would run basically the big parking lot around Hemisphere Plaza. And then you would go up and climb. <gasps> so you could walk it or you could run it. It was up to you, but there was a mile that you had to do before you started your climb. So of course I ran it and then did the climb. Um, I realized pretty quickly after the third year that I did it, that it was so popular. And there was probably 800 people packed into that little tiny space up the top. And I have a, a a little bit of claustrophobia. Oh, yeah. And I started to have Excellent. a panic attack. Yeah. And someone saw me, I was trying to talk to an employee and say, how can I get to the, because the line was, I'm not kidding, to get on the elevator, it was almost completely around the building. Hello, kitty. <laughs> <laughs> so at any rate, long story short, they let me take the stairs down because there's two stairwells and they let me take the one that wasn't being used. And that's the one the firemen were using to go up and down, which was kind of cool. But I got about halfway down it and my IT band said, no. Wow. Oh. So I had to hop down on one foot about 43 um, flights. <laughs> so I said, tower climb, there's gotta be something else out there that I can do. And my trainer suggested, why don't you train for a half marathon, a bucket list thing? Because they only offered half and full marathon at that time. There wasn't the 5Ks and the 10Ks and the bicycle race and all that shit in front of it before. I mean, not that it's shit. Sorry, it's all good no, stuff. Okay. <laughs> more stuff, right? Yeah. More money. More money. But, um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> at any rate, um, I decided I would sign up and train for it. And I got the Jeff Galloway walk run book and that was my plan. And when I remember registering for it, cause it says, what's your estimated finishing time? And I was like, mm, mm, six hours. Oh God. My, I had no <laughs> for idea. Half? For half? Oh my God. So I put in six hours. I finished in 221 was my first. Oh my God. That's time. like my fastest half time. <laughs> oh. It was super hard, but it was the very first time ever that I ran without stopping. Yeah. In that that distance. In That's my training, great. I stopped a lot, you know, and walked. Oh yeah. Um, but I trained for that all by myself. I didn't train with a group. It was just it was a bucket list thing. You know, I wasn't looking to connect with a group or make friends or any of that. But um I started seeing, I'm like, hey, I'm not the only one that does this. You know, I'd run up Broadway, just real simple, like no-brainer routes to stop and backs. And I would, I'd start to see people that I knew that were runners. And 
when I went to the um, expo for the 20, 2008 rock and roll, um, a really sweet guy jumped out at me around the corner um, and said, are you a San Antonio Roadrunner? I said, no, what's that? And he's like, it's the biggest and best running club in San Antonio. And I said, what do you guys do? He proceeded uh -huh. to tell me about all the races and didn't have training groups yet. So this was just about racing and club membership. And at the time, I think it was something ridiculous, like $15 to join for a year. I think it's 25 now, which is still- Yeah, I would say it's still a bargain. <laughs> but it was like 15 bucks. <clears throat> and he's like, and if you join at the expo, he's like, you get a free turkey trot hat. Ooh. And I was like, and he's like, plus your membership will pay for itself after you buy three races because you save five bucks on your races oh, yeah. as a member. And I said, well, all right, sign me up. Bob Ratliff, Coach Bob Ratliff oh. was the guy responsible for that. Oh. And um, he signed me up and I've been... I blame him for it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so, glad I found you. That started my my connection to the San Antonio Roadrunners. And I just started signing up for their races. Um, and started realizing that I didn't have a choice. I was going to make friends. I was going to become a little bit competitive. And um, I was going to want to give back to this community mm -hmm. that was giving me so much that they didn't even know. And um, I did get the competitive bug. I did a, after that rock and roll, that first one, I, I was like, uh, no, actually, that's not true. After the first one, I was like, oh, thank God that's over. <laughs> Never doing that again. Yeah, I know. I really believed it. I remember I got a free beer, a Michelob Ultra or something at the end of the race. And my husband was there waiting for me and some of our neighbors and a couple of friends of mine that, knew I was training hard and wanted to support me. I get my free beer and I held it. I never drank it. I just held it. And my husband would say, do you want to put that down? I'm like, no. No, I don't. <laughs> and I, I never felt well enough to drink it, but I wanted it to be there for me the minute I did because I knew I was never going to, in my head, I was like, I'm never doing that again. I walked home, waddled home from the Alamo Dome with them. I went home and took a shower and then we went and ate tacos. And I remember I couldn't get out of my chair. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know and that feeling. I swore I would never do it again. And then, you know, about four months later, they're like, we're opening up registration for 2009 rock and roll. <laughs> and I signed up. Of course. And that one, um, my time wasn't much better. Um, it was 2.19 for this one. I knocked three minutes off, but I was still proud of that. And it was after that one, I got the bug. I'm like, I felt like an, after that one, for sure, because this was in 2009, and I really wanted to train well for that race because my husband's daughter was getting married on the beach in Puerto Vallarta. And Ooh. I was wearing a bikini for seven days with family members that I didn't really know that well. Oh my god. <laughs> so pressure was on. So I told my trainer, I said, I want to lose, you know, I was probably about 150 pounds then. 
God. I and can't I even imagine. Well, I was really, it was all in my butt and my belly. Everything else, it was just from my belly button to my hips. That's where it all was. <laughs> um, sorry, guys, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> but <clears throat> I decided that I needed to fix that. And so I kicked it up with my training and my trainer told me to sign up again for the rock and roll. And he had me running. He wasn't really a running coach, but he just had me, he's like, cardio, you need to do cardio and you need to pick it up. So he would have me run two or three miles in the evening, three days a week, in addition to my plan. So I never felt like I was dropping anything. My, my clothing size didn't change. It wasn't until after I finished the rock and roll in 2009, I went to Old Navy because I needed to get, I heard they had corduroys in it, various colors. And I'm like, ooh, I got to get some. So <clears throat> I ran over there and I take my 12, my size 12, and I go into the dressing room and it's loose. And I had three pairs of them. So I'm like, something's wrong. So I tried on the other pair. They were loose too. I tried on the third pair of 12s. Guess what? They were loose too. So I put my regular clothes on and I go out and there's a guy standing there taking clothes that you don't want. I said, did y'all change your sizes? And he goes, what? I said, did you change your sizes? And he's like, what do you mean? And I said, these 12 seem loose. <laughs> and he looked at me with disgust and said, maybe you should try a 10. And I said, oh, oh, okay. So I just grab a random pair and they were like mustard yellow, just random. Yeah. And I take them in and they fit. And I was like, holy shit, I lost some weight. So I, I lost- I can't imagine you wearing a 12. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> well, I wear a two now. I was gonna say, yeah, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, I was, um, I was, I, I had some issues with tacos and margaritas and, and, and cold beers mm -hmm. and, and everything else in between. I have, I have a sweet tooth. I still have to control that myself sometimes, but um, right now, 50 K training, I don't have to worry about it. Thanks. Oh, isn't it great? It is awesome. So tell me about the 50K that you're doing because yay. Yeah. So tell me about, cause I know I'm so surprised when I found out, um, I guess it was that day we were all at government Canyon and here I am thinking that you've done 50 milers and all this other stuff. And you're like, no, I'm training for my first 50K. And I'm like, how is it that I've done these? And she is. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm, I'm just a kid. I'm a trail runner. And I've always, I mean, trails are my thing. I, yeah. I love roads true, but I, I mean, roads, it's just a whole different sport to me. Boring. You know? yeah. yeah, it is. It's boring. I You don't I get any stories out of it. React. I feel my body react with each step. Um, like, for instance, I did 15 and a half yesterday out of McAllister, and I did seven and a half today on the road. Ooh. And they both felt about the same in different ways, you know, but. Well, and also you're on tired legs too today, so. I know, those Sunday, the lady I in the I love book, that though. That's my favorite, that's my book. secret weapon. <laughs> the lady in the book today said today's run, because this was a tough mileage week for me, and I have recovery week next week, which is awesome. So, yeah, I love recovery week. So I work hard for three weeks, and then I have recovery. Hard three weeks recovery. And so she said, the little note for today's run said, today's seven to eight miler should feel like miles 23 to 31 during your run and I, boy 
I don't know if I just channeled that or I shouldn't have read it, <laughs> but I was like, oh man, if this is what that feels like, then I can't stop. I got to keep going. Yep. So yep. that's what I did. That's good. I knew that tomorrow was a rest day and that I could have the official beer barbecue from Twisted Brewing Company. Ooh, lovely. It's their Pitmaster. It's a it's a Pilsner, really light. It's only like 4.2%. Ooh, nice. We drove past there yesterday and I was like, beer! So we <laughs> and masked up and went and got some to go. Nice. So when is your 50K or did it already, or is it now virtual? Like it everything will else? be virtual. It was supposed to be at Mission Teja in September. September oh, man. 26th which is the day before my 53rd birthday. Oh. And, um, so I was going to, you know, I was looking forward to camping and doing all that fun stuff. My family was going to come with and, you know, some SAR folks were going to also go up and do that race. And a couple other people were also maybe going to sign up for the 50K. But <clears throat> now that it's virtual, um, I've been training so much at McAllister and my so if anybody that's listening that knows me knows that the past five years have just been really injury after injury after injury for me, whether it be, you know, a con something I fell or, you know, I tweaked something, stepped on something wrong or overuse. I've had horrible trouble with my hip, especially the last few years. But oh, I remember that, yeah. My, um, it, it, it stopped me in my tracks last year. Actually, the past two years, I get to a level and it's like, no more. So um, before I decided to train for this 50K, that's why I hadn't been training for ultra distances. It's all how it started. Yeah. Uh, back in 2013, I was training for my first marathon. Granted, it was awful. This 2013, the last year, it was in November. Oh, yeah. Rock and roll. And you remember they ran out of water. There was oh, all yeah. kinds of horrible things. Lots of people dropped because it was like 95 degrees. Yeah. Um, I finished, but it was not pretty. And I was in a medical tent most of the time. Oof. But I was supposed to do continue on for my 50K after that. And I was going to run it in Big Ben. Mm. Um, and I ran that race, not the 50K, but I ran the 30K, 25K, 10K, blah, blah, blah. And love it so i was looking forward to doing my first ultra out there oh man um but <laughs> i had the horrible horrible marathon and during my marathon training um a, some body parts went awry that i needed to nothing that had to well ha it happened i don't want to get too graphic on the thing here but i had to have some surgery um that my doctor said shouldn't take me more than two weeks to get over and that two weeks turned into about three months. So I was supposed to do Big Bend in January. I was supposed to do the El Paso Marathon in February. And all that stuff got canceled because my training stopped cold. And there was no way for me to pick it back up at that point. So, and then I had to regain my fitness and all that after that. And then started the the want, want, wants, the overuse injuries, the, you know, the tripped over this, broke my foot here, pulled this ligament here, fractured this, you know, it's, 
it's always something. Getting but old as hell. <laughs> that and trail running, right? <laughs> <laughs> Dangerous combination. <laughs> I know, right? But, you know, I'd rather take a chance at busting myself up on a route than, you know, taking the wrong step off of a curb any day. Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> Which I've done both, by the way. <laughs> uh, oh, goodness. So, but, um, yeah, so I don't know. What you got for me there? Well, <laughs> so I was going to see, uh, we've almost, we're almost at an hour. <laughs> you can edit this, right? <laughs> ah, no, I'll just let it go. It's, it's fine. It, it's just, you know, uh, it, it, I just, this is a very organic sort of thing. So, okay. um, so, I mean, you're, you're, of course, you're only 52, so you probably haven't had a whole lot of experience yet with being a master's runner, but um, are you finding if, if there are any advantages or disadvantages to being a master's runner? I mean, it sounds like the, the injuries well, and stuff, you know. You know, I have to say, in road running, master's 40, right? And most trail runs, it's 50. Yeah. So, for me, I've been mastering as soon as I hit 40. I started mastering um, back in, I guess I was 2012, something like that. Um, yeah, Kimberly, it would have been 10 years ago. Huh? Okay. But, <laughs> but um, back then I was running a lot faster than I am now. And I was running high bridge, you know, a little bit of trail, a little bit, mostly road, but a couple days a week on some trails. Mm -hmm. And that was probably the best um, training I was in. I was seeing my trainer twice a week. Plus, I had a mix of road and trail, and I felt really strong. Yeah. Um, I became a personal trainer and um, a running coach. And when that started, I was on the concrete a lot more than I ever had been in my life. Standing, going from a desk job at the art pace to, you know, standing on my feet with clients for five and six hours at a time um, and lifting weights demonstrating and my own stuff too and I demo heavy on my right side like my left side just hangs out and I'm like okay we're gonna do this right that, that, that. <laughs> my right side is super strong but it's overworked oh overdeveloped so that's yeah hip and you know all that stuff I demo I show lunges on my and I've since then I'm like every time I start to demo I'm like left you know just like <laughs> even when I'm in a little right centric when I'm going up a hill I'm driving with my right foot I can feel it mm -hmm. and how I know I feel it is when I say hey left take over and the left drives I can feel the release yeah in my right side so it's being older and wiser um as a master runner um I really truly don't believe I was officially a master until I hit 50 even though I've been placing in races for a while but now there's a lot of other people who are 40 <laughs> oh, yeah. 50. and so obviously it's it's not as competitive for me in the road except for age group stuff you know mm -hmm. I think the last time I got a master's award was probably at Big Ben but the last road run I got a master's run on was um the orange half marathon that was in New Braunfels they have that every year okay and <clears throat> it's pretty flat um, but when I finished, I just assumed that I'd placed in my age group because I know I did all right, but I, that was the day, like my hip said, this was your last race of the year because it, it really was. Oh, um, no. I went in my car and cried after yeah. the race was over because it just, it hurt to walk. 
Yeah. And oh, I knew God. that, you know, I was going to have to go see a doctor because it, it was serious now. And then I remember Christine Bursiarga coming over to my car because I had said, I'm going to go put my flip-flops on and I'll be back. And I was sitting in my car like, ooh, 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 boo-hoo me. And she's like, hey, you better get up there. And I said, why? She's like, because you got masters. <laughs> what? Because I felt like it was one of the slowest races I ever did, you know? Yeah. She's like, yeah, you got masters. And I'm like, are you sure? She's like, yeah. I said, but Julia Hergesheimer's here. And she's like, she's not a master. And I'm like, well, all right. Suddenly my hips stopped hurting and I got <laughs> that thing. And I drank a beer with Scotty Dog and then I got back in my car and cried all the way home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But, so, um, so tell me about coaching. Because um, I know that, you know, I mean, that's how I know you, and um, in which I think you're an awesome coach. But um, thank you. I'm still, you know, it's, a, it's one of those you learn as you go kind of things. You learn more as you go. Um, I became a coach for SAR in 2012, right? Yeah, it was one of the um, first training groups that we had for SAR. We had just started, Scott Peacock had just started putting together the pool and half marathon training, which mm -hmm. was our first training. Um, I didn't coach because I wasn't a coach for that one. Um, I wasn't certified, but Scott was, and I kind of watched him, but he did it all by himself. But I think the first year we only had like a couple handfuls of people, like maybe 30 people. And mm -hmm. it was just for the half marathon. It was nothing else. This was kind of a trial thing. And then the next year he opened it up for half and full. And, um, he was still the only coach, I believe. And I went up to him and I said, I want to be a coach. And I will dedicate five years of coaching if you guys pay for it. And don't expect them to do this now, everybody, because it was a different time back then and nobody was doing this stuff. <clears throat> so, uh, and believe me, for the $400 fee that they paid, they've gotten a whole lot of run out of me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, SAR paid for it. And myself and, and Jim Holbach got on a plane and went to New Orleans to get certified. And it was a great experience, but I was injured, so I couldn't run really with anybody. I could do a few short distances, but I couldn't do anything more than three miles at that time. But at any rate, um, I wanted to be a coach because the club had given so much to me and I wanted to see it grow. Mm -hmm. um, we were just a bunch of races, which is totally fine but there wasn't a lot of training groups out there at the time. And there kind of was a demand for them. And the ones that you would see were kind of expensive. Like you had to pay to be included. And I don't think you could find one, you know, for less than 75 to hundred bucks. Um, and now that's a little different. There are still some, you know, pay to play. And, and SAR, you have to pay for ours, of course, but it's not that expensive. No, not remember, it's like, you know, an additional bucks. 30 or 40 bucks, depending yeah. on what you're training for. But I mean, you get awesome coaches like myself yeah. and <clears throat> you get a t-shirt, you get support. You and make then, friends. 
Yeah, you make lots of friends. You make lots of my favorite part. <laughs> and, you know, with the trail group, we try to make it extra special. We yeah. don't just make friends, we make a family. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I mean, because, like, for me, being a slow runner, um, which is sort of hilarious, but, um, you know, I, the first few times when I saw you guys kind of, like, waiting around, you know, for everyone at the end, I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm going to be so slow. They're going to be sitting there looking at their watches. Can we go now? And then I realized that you guys don't care. You're just sitting around drinking beer, you know, doing whatever. And, you know, hey, we got all day. You know? uh, we're laughing and, you know, and we want to see everybody through. We want to hand clap and cheer for everybody. I love that. Runs. Yeah. And, and those, some of those long runs are the first time anybody's ever gone that distance personally, you know. That's so those are really big milestones. And. You know, the last thing I want our program to do, and, and this is all SAR all over the place, but you know, we, if we've ever left anybody behind, it was sincere accident and forgive us if we've ever done that, but I don't think we have. <laughs> no, no, because you, you guys always have somebody who's out there sweeping, you know, so. Yeah, we, we make sure, I mean, we go to great lengths to make sure that kind of stuff doesn't happen. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. that's really the beauty of our, our program, um, especially the trail running program. It's. I mean, our, our fall training program, the rock and roll programs, they're, they're big. I mean, they're really mm -hmm. big groups. So it's, I mean, there's still ways to get intimate with, with your teammates. I mean, don't take that the wrong way. <laughs> I know what you but, mean. <laughs> but, um, you know, there's, there's different pace teams in oh, yeah. the longer road running where we don't really have that in trail. But we have our, our packs of people that run similar paces. Right. That just like to stay together because there ain't no joke. 15 miles is a long way. And by yourself, it, it seems longer. Um, or and you want to quit. Yeah. Yeah, 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 totally. You know, so um, that's why I'm a coach. That's also why I'm, you know, doing a 50K. I've always wanted to do one. In my heart, I've wanted to be an ultra runner. Um, but I, I don't, I say this now, but I probably won't ever do anything further than a 50K just because it's a nice intro. And I don't know, I hope that my body lets me do this. Oh, um, it will. I, there's no cutoff time. So I know that even if I walk the whole damn thing, I will finish it. You'll be fine. Yeah, but, no, you're going to be good. But my hip is really holding together. I'm, I'm so glad. It out. I'm really babying it. I'm rubbing CBD all over it after run. Yeah. Yeah. It's totally sleeping right now. Oh, wait, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, yeah, trust me. You're going to want to do a 50 miler after you get done with this. You know, you, you might do a few. I would say probably do, you know, maybe two or three more 50Ks and then, yeah, because that's how it started with me, you know, and I've, I've done two 50 milers and, um, Unfortunately, both were pretty slow, but my feet were always wet and yeah, but anyway, but um, if I can do this, you can. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's really, it's just the mental training, I think is, is really what, what it boils down to. It doesn't really matter how fast you are. Um, I mean, obviously if you're competitive, it's great, but you know. Well, I'm, I'm, I am really trying to do this right. So uh, there's no competition in it. The only competition I have is with me and mm -hmm. finishing the 31 miles. Um, yeah. You know, I look ahead. I try not to look too far ahead in my schedule because it scares me. Um, oh, yeah, don't. <laughs> you know, it's like, 
I started looking at weeks ahead, like trying to figure out if, you know, we could take a little camping trip somewhere and where would I be? How would I get the miles, you know, picking the right place. And I'm like, oh, that's a week and I have to do 22 miles. You oh, know, it's like, you're going to need friends for that one. <laughs> it seems like, you know, I have this recovery week this next week, which I don't probably do more than 20 miles the entire week. And then next week I come back with like 56 miles. You know? So it's like, but you know what? I always feel really strong in those weeks after recovery week. So oh, yeah, it works. Know, this training plan that I'm following, I like it. I like it a lot. Good. So, so far anyway, it's 24 week program and I'm getting ready to start week 16. So nice. inching closer and closer to the start line, That's which exciting. will probably be at McAllister Park. Well, that's not a bad place to do it. So, you know, I mean, and it's your backyard, you're used to it, you know. It really is. And I'm, you know, I say this every year. I, I, I started out, I won't say I disliked McAllister, but it was probably one of my least favorite places to go. Yeah, I don't love it. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, took over the prickly pear a couple of years ago and wanted to find ways to make the course a little bit more exciting and try to get myself to like the blue loop. You know, yeah. certain parts of that, I just go every time I run by it. But then there are parts that I'm finding new ways to explore it and new ways to think about it. And I actually like the park now. Yeah. Because I'm, you know, there's so many social trails out there. And once you figure out where they are and where they lead to, you can have some fun playing around out there. Yeah. But um, if you just do the blue loop all the time, it's so boring. I know, I know. And then Mud Creek, and I'm, I'm learning to like that one. Um, I like I have, Mud Creek, you know? It's a little short. I, 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 it kind of bothers It's a little me. confusing, too. Well, it's a lot of confusing, but um, I've spent a lot of time whittling around out there, so I kind of know almost where every little lip I'm trying. That's kind of a goal for me while I'm trying to, you know, how can I get 18 miles out of McAllister Park without right. a whole bunch of loops? Well, it's impossible, but <laughs> I, I've got, I've got to 11 miles without overlaying too much. Mm -hmm. Sometimes if the sun's not out on the dam, right when I hit the dam, I'll do an out and back on that just to get an extra mile. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just so I don't have to worry about it at the end. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm only at 15 and I got to do 16. Uh, I want my beer. You know, <laughs> that motivation so yeah, I, I keep but, a beer in my you know after the training I would always have a full cooler ice down with beer and we drink it and wait for everybody to get back now I have a little tiny cooler with a fuzzy water an extra bottle of cold water and one beer okay and I've never opened my beer once <laughs> but if I don't put it in then I'm worried that I won't have something to aspire for on my run. Weird, but no, no. there if I need it. It's it be a yeah. bad run. And if it's a bad run, that cold beer will turn things around. Of course. <laughs> yeah, no, I I swear by Mexican Coke. Um, I, I keep a bottle of Mexican Coke in my cooler, a uh, bottle of Topo Chico. And uh, yeah, and that's what keeps me, especially the Topo Chico at the end of a hot run. Oh my God. Mm. Is magical. My favorite thing, I have 
Um, I really like Crazy Water, even though there's kind of mm. a shortage of it right now, which is making me nervous. Um, I use the three and the four. Okay. The three I used when I'm running, so I have all the good stuff when I'm running. And yeah, I think I only use two or something. You know, like the two? No. Oh, well. Some of it doesn't, I don't know, I don't feel satisfied or quenched. I don't know, it's weird. But If you, I, it has to be cold, cold, cold. Yeah. Well, that's like drinking noon. <laughs> I hate noon. It ha yeah. See, I have trouble with, I've learned that I can keep down playing with my nutrition now that I'm getting over 13 miles in every long run. I'm having to start to, I need to eat because it's yeah. hot and I just need to eat. And I can stomach the mango orange honey stinger gels. They're pretty oh, yeah. good. That's good. And I tell myself right after I open the packet, hot smoothie. It's a hot smoothie. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, I'm like <laughs> trying to get it down. It's just the nastiest thing. Uh -oh. But if I tell myself it's a hot thing that I like, yeah, yeah. swallow it down hot with pudding. that. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with you on that. I, I yeah. I, anyway, so, all right. Well, listen, we have... <laughs> We've gone quite a while. Build up that hour, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's okay. It's it's all good. I mean, you know, it, it's this was fun. I mean, I enjoyed it, and and hopefully you did too. Um, Absolutely, I'm super chatty. I apologize for that. But no, I'm no, I love it. Listen, I I got to see in conduct for talking too much in first grade, so it's like I'm so used to it. Um, no, I I kind of enjoy it when we go over a little bit, so it's 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 nice. Um, anyway, um. I'm going to stop recording right here. Uh, thank you very much. Don't, don't, don't go away. But All right. That was quite the epic interview, and I hope you enjoyed it. Um, she is a character, uh, definitely one of my favorite people, just in terms of being colorful and uplifting and just spirited. And um, yeah, so um, that's all I've got for now. And I'll see you next time.